0: You're listening to the B2B Content Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Thudium. On this show, we cover everything B2B content marketing. Tune into short and digestible podcast episodes on topics like B2B content strategy, content case studies, content tips, and more. On this podcast, you will sit down with a marketing colleague, a friend. We'll share a few laughs and loads of valuable and actionable content marketing tips. The podcast episodes are a mix between solo episodes by me, Megan, playback audio snippets from experts in the field and occasional content marketing guests. Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Content Corner podcast. I'm your host, Megan Thudium, and today's podcast will be a guest episode with my good friend and colleague, Caitlin Buchbaum. Welcome, Caitlin. Hi, it's great to be <laughs> on with you, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, Caitlin is the marketing manager for a B2B energy startup called AppyGas. She specializes in brand development, project management, and crafting marketing campaigns that put the audience first. She is based in Berlin, Germany, and her company, Apigas, is in a very niche market. So she'll be giving us some great insight into how to overcome marketing challenges of finding and marketing to these specific audiences in today's episode. So our topic today is B2B niche marketing. And the title of the episode is How to Find your, your Audience When Your B2B Product is Niche. So I welcome Caitlin onto the podcast, and I'm looking forward to hearing her insight. So turning it over to you, Caitlin, can you start by telling us a little bit more about your marketing job position and what you do at EpiGas?
1: Sure. So, um, yeah, as Megan mentioned, I... I'm working at Apigas. I'm their marketing manager, and I'm also doing some sales support. Um, I guess a little bit about Appigas. They are an innovation venture focused currently on the gas market, so within the energy market. In Europe, their goal is to, uh, it's twofold. So they are trying to aggregate data and make data a little bit less scary for market professionals. Because um, as I'm sure you can imagine, the information about the gas market, it's uh, it's widespread and there's a lot of it. And so their goal is to try and make it a bit easier to understand all of the data. And they do that primarily through data visualization. So making charts or um, different types of visualizations to help simplify the data in the gas market. Sounds really complex and very specific. (laughs) Very specific indeed. Um, I am primarily doing marketing for them, so I have quite an interesting experience to develop um, strategy and create a messaging technique that works for people who are very Uh, focused on their jobs and also don't have a lot of time. So that's been an interesting journey.
0: Yeah, for sure. And if I understand correctly, you're the only one in marketing.
1: That is correct, Um, which provides its own challenges. But it's also a really, really great opportunity to actually work with my colleagues and introduce them to the world of marketing as well, but also sort of pull from their own experiences, um, especially seeing as I'm the one who is least of a gas market expert so far. Um, so I am the newest on the team, actually. And I have a lot to learn. But it's, it's been really interesting working with people who are such experts in the field so that I can kind of take that knowledge from them and then also convert it into marketing strategies that help put forth our goals and yeah our different strategies.
0: Yes, definitely. I really like what you just said there, actually, about especially these niche markets um, becoming strong allies with the expertise in the company and you as a marketer building those relationships. And you really have to lean on them, correct, and really work with them to make sure your marketing is spot on.
1: Exactly. So um, a big part of my job is understanding what uh, what the market experts are doing in their day-to-day and what that means for their free time and how they sort of um, go about their days. So um, just one example of that is um, the people in my market are very pressed for time. They don't have a lot of time and they can get really stressed because there's a lot of everyday operations that they have to attend to. So... That's really informed the sort of messaging strategy and the technique we use for all of our communications. So one example, I guess, for users, we would make sure that the emails are really short or that um, the social media posts or different messaging that we do in app is all streamlined and just gives them the very minimum information that they need in order to um, continue working in their day. Trying to be a partner for them rather than something
0: that detracts them from the everyday operations. Yeah, that's interesting. So it sounds like your buyer persona basically um, is very technical. They like technical content, and you have to be very specific and spot on with your expertise. Yes, that's true. Um, and I think
1: something that's also really important about the market is that since we are We are experts, our company is full of experts in the fields, but our buyer persona is even more of an expert. So they can tell very quickly when we don't have all of the facts straight, or sometimes they know even more information than we do. And so it's really important to be as authentic as possible while also aligning with what they are trying to, with the type of data that they're trying to achieve.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think this actually really leads into our next question is sounds like a difficult industry buyer persona they are very particular what are kind of some challenges that have come with marketing to that specific niche
1: i think the the top thing is humility i've definitely had to sort of take a step back and recognize what i can sort of bring to the table that provides value for the user so we've had we've gone through a lot of different types of strategies in terms of shaping our messaging, particularly on social media. So our social media strategy um, has relied a lot on the value that we can provide from our own perspective rather than coming at it from the direction of our personas so us just reflecting information back on them that they already know is not providing value for them and so we have to get very creative about the types of information that we share with them so for example we're trying to leverage or we are leveraging the fact that we are an innovation venture and we are a startup working in a very traditional industry um, an industry that innovation is a bit unfamiliar to as well so that sort of informs the content that we produce on social media so and we've noticed even in the numbers that our biggest engagement um uh factors have to do with content that's more about our our company culture and the people who are working on the team and what they bring to the table and um we had a really high performing post about uh, gender parity in the workplace and um, as a traditional industry, I guess, um, it's also really important that we talk about these things that are not often um, given
0: time. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That sounds more like a cultural brand content for your startup. So you're creating, because I think we, we tend to forget about this in marketing is there's different types of content. There's thought leadership content, there's educational content, but there's also company branding content. And that's a good important piece of the content puzzle because that builds relationships with your in your customer in a way that um, they get to know you, you know, who's within your company, the value you're providing, are you good people to work with? Um, do you have the same values that they have? These are all important things on a sales perspective, but I think this is very interesting that you are seeing in your social media content that it is performing. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's, it's about the authenticity um, about of the brand and that, um, that relationship building. And it's also about trust. So how, how do we know that this company is um, going to be an asset for us if we, decide to convert? Um, How how do we sort of build that relationship where we can um, trust not just their brand, but also the value that they're providing? So um, my my company is very focused on data and a question that arises when you're talking about data is data quality. And so um, if we can also promote that trust within our company brand, we can also sort of extend that into the expectation that the data is going to be high quality and that the, prod, uh, the products that we offer are also at the caliber that our industry leaders can expect from us.
0: Yeah, I would, I would assume that you have to have a high caliber in all the content and outward marketing that you're doing. It has to be spot on. It has to be specific because you're working with experts in your industry. Exactly. Very interesting. So I think this is kind of interesting how you've taken different approaches, but a lot of things, or a couple of the things I want to uh, pull out of your what you just said is authenticity, trust building, creating contents that builds relationships. Um, In a sense, I call this uh, human-centric marketing or human-centered marketing. And, and we all know it's very important, especially I think people overlook it in B2B, but I would say it's very important in B2B because we're building such close ties with customers over a long period of time. So my question to you, and this is a side question, excuse me, Caitlin, is I'm curious, uh, what are the other people doing in your, your industry who are also niche? Do you see them taking such a specific and kind of nurturing relationship building approach to their marketing?
1: I think in my industry, in specifically in the gas industry, there is so much tradition and there are so many companies that have just been in it for such a long time that they don't really have to rely so much on authenticity because they've already established it through the years. It's mm-hmm. It's more a conversation of what new things are happening in the industry. So something I am noticing is in the email communications or in different uh, messaging from companies that already exist um, that they're trying to get a little bit more clever in the way that they are both like adopting new practices as well as like relying on the sort of stability that they've already sort of established. Yeah it's a really interesting thing actually to see all of these companies sort of develop and digitize and become more more synthesized, I guess you could say, with all of the new innovations and the new opportunities that digital technology is offering them.
0: That's that's interesting because, yeah, we're talking about niche marketing here in this, this interview, but you really are also in a very traditional industry. I mean, energy is very traditional. Um, so that brings its own unique marketing challenges, too. And you being a startup, I think you are backed by a corporate company. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so you do have some capital, but in the end, you are a startup and you kind of have to figure out your, your your unique position. Right. This is your marketing positioning. And um, it sounds like you have done great work in taking your content and taking your marketing strategy approach to make yourself unique and stand out from the other traditional. So these traditional companies, what I'm trying to say, it's time for, they, for them to catch up with you, Caitlin. You're ahead of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we're trying to make it more of a partnership where um, we can work together with these companies to try and help them achieve their goals and help them try to take
0: advantage of all of the opportunities that are available to us now. At the last part of this interview, I wanted to talk to you about marketing tactics. So, content marketing tactics, because we talk about B2B content specifically on the podcast. Um, because you're a niche industry, you're marketing to traditional companies. What kind of marketing, content marketing tactics have worked for you?
1: It's so, a good question. And we should always be willing to celebrate the successes we've had. I think a lot of the time there's this uh, idea of post-mortem or trying to uh, make sure that things in the past are always sort of improving, but it's also important to see what did work. Um, And so, as we said before, I think like employer branding and company branding is one that has always been sort of a safe category for us. We had, for example, in December... um, an advent calendar concept where every day in December we were offering a different innovation tip, market, um, insight, all these different sort of themes and topics that might be interesting to our uh, target audience. And we got a lot of good traffic on that. Um, That was, yeah, so that's a good example. I would also say sort of going along with the fact that I am in addition in the traditional industry that our participation in quote-unquote live events. Obviously, right now, live events are not possible, but in these sort of simultaneous moments where you can have like a virtual chat room or something, uh, webinars, for example, have been really good trade events of this type. Um, Those have been really successful. For example, um, a colleague of mine, the head of the company was at a webinar a few weeks ago, and she gave a really interesting presentation on the transition of capacity bookings and how the market behavior has changed. It's a very niche topic, (laughs) Um, but she had a lot of feedback from people on LinkedIn um, reaching out to her after the webinar and asking for her take on different things. We've also had interest um, from other um, contacts and potential leads
0: based all on this uh, one participation in a webinar. Yeah. So, is what did I hear from you? I heard uh, social media marketing. Are you doing like LinkedIn or Twitter, or which social media channel is working best for you at the moment?
1: Yeah. So we're um, so we're active right now on Twitter and LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I would say we're probably having more success than on Twitter. Uh, primarily because of the employee branding, I would say. Um, so in terms of our head, um, she's been in the market for a long time. And so she has that sort of uh, extra advantage of having the
0: contacts. And so in relation to that, we've had success there. Yeah. So what's working? It sounds like LinkedIn marketing, um, collaboration in webinars with people, are you collaborating with institutions? Are you collaborating, like, for example, your colleague who did, was that with another company or was it more with an institution?
1: Uh, That was with another company.
0: Okay. So I think collaborations are definitely working with you on webinars.
1: Yeah, I think those are the main ones. (laughs) Um, We also have some participation in trade events, which we were doing before Corona. Um, So for example, there's an sort of environmental or energy trade event called eWorld that we participate in every year and that one also
0: um it always generates a lot of leads beautiful eWorld it's like humongous yeah Well, interesting. So you're doing some great social media work. LinkedIn is working for you. Collaborations, online webinars, um, and then any types of... it's Also, I wanted to say thought leadership, authority content. Because this, for example, this webinar that your colleague did, it wasn't just any topic. It was very specific, very niche, very targeted to the audience. So that's something to think about when you're marketing to a niche audience, right? Is the topics that you're producing... Are they relevant and the expertise that also comes behind it, right? Because I, I want to assume that your colleague wouldn't have been as successful in generating leads if she didn't have that specific knowledge and that been able to put that in such a way in her in her presentation that built trust with people during the, the interview. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think the the special part, I guess, of that webinar was that the... Her presentation was sort of an expression of the work we do every day at EpiGas. So um, she was presenting data essentially on from different analyses of programs that are already well known in the industry. And just through these analyses, there were some statistics that were kind of shocking to some of the participants. And so that shock or the, the knowledge that things are changing, but maybe the pace at which things are changing has was a really helpful promoter I guess within that webinar.
0: Yeah sounds like a strong thought leadership approach for you. Definitely. Well this is I think very insightful I mean in general niche marketing in your industry too it's very judicial it's, it's hard right I mean I don't think there is a lot of conversation out there in marketing b2b marketing on what works for us it's a really experimental um and kind of sounds like what's i also i have found with the people i have worked with is the strong thought leadership and content approach really helps in niche marketing so before to before we are going to wrap up the rest of the episode Um, Is there anything that you want to leave with us that could help marketers who are in a similar position to you uh, to help them with their marketing? It's a very difficult industry. What are one or two pointers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think what you said before about experimentation is something that I really want to echo um, and just kind of empower other niche marketers to uh, embrace because I think, like in my experience, and I'm sure in the experience of a lot of other niche marketers, the that power of experimentation of and trial and um, of trial and error is really important and provides a basis for deciding your next approach and the the next strategy that you'll try to reach your audience. I would say also to Make sure to keep a record of those trials and errors and that experimentation and making sure that you're properly measuring your efforts in whatever way is comfortable to you and then yeah just assessing the performance at every step and making informed decisions based on the that knowledge and that experience
0: yeah, 100%. That's very valuable. You're talking about documenting, testing, trialing, and, and then looking and reviewing the data to make intelligent decisions. No, this is great. Um, well, good. So this actually ends the rest of our episode, wraps us up to the end. Caitlin, if people would like to connect with you online, where is the best way and method for them to do so? You may find me on LinkedIn.
1: Um, You can just type in my name.
0: So if you are interested in following Caitlin, please type in her name, Caitlin Bookbaum, into LinkedIn. She shares a lot of actually valuable content on marketing and branding. Um, She has definitely shows and gives her expertise on LinkedIn. So I really encourage our audience to go and follow her. Well, this wraps up the rest of our show. Thank you so much for joining us today, Caitlin. And... Yeah, tune in next time for the next episode of the B2B Content Corner podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.